verses 24, 25, and 26. I'm saying to myself, is this Bible used? I said, I'm, I'm thinking like, did, did, was, <laughs> did they get this thing off of Amazon or something like that? You know, like, well, I, was, I was thinking to myself, and I, and I read it, and I said, they had to write this in here, because I'm looking at the ink at the front, and I called them up. I said, you guys wrote it here, didn't you? You, you circled these verses. And I want to read these verses to you. I just want to share a little bit. In case you're wondering, this is today's message. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. I didn't plan on going here. I was going to go somewhere else to see what happens. Just give me just a few minutes. and I'm catching the airplane. <clears throat> Three hours and 47 minutes. Are you ready? Then Jesus said this to his disciples. Jesus talking. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. <laughs> Jesus never gave no halfway commitment. You know, he never gave no opportunities for like a partial thing. You know, he, it, was, it was all. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, come follow me. And whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I know personally, sometimes we try to save our life. You know, we try to hold on to everything. We fight for what's right. We fight for what's ours, you know. Or what we think is ours. Let me say it like that. Well, we fight for what we think is ours. Verse 26 says, For what profit is it to a man that he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And as I was reading this right here, I, I marked in there, this is the true mark of a disciple. This is the burning ones. This is the ones that... Just want to give it all for the Lord. I mean, sitting there, may pastor, I'm not really at that level. You know, what does this look like? You know, for these last 14 days, the Lord has called us on this time of prayer and fasting. And to be honest with you, I, I don't feel like it's finished yet. I don't. I'm not saying we're going to fast all year. I don't know. But I believe that this fast is not over. It's not. It's no way. How can it, how can it be? You want to take a break for a minute, that's up to you. And that's between you and the Lord. Get yourself a cheeseburger after church. If you feel like you're having withdrawal, do whatever you feel like is between you and the Lord. But I believe that God is calling us deeper. You see, what took place here this morning is a direct result of removing the physical that you can make room for the spiritual. It's a direct result for that. Because the presence of God is always in this room. But when we remove the physical, what it does, it makes room for the spiritual. We're able to, you remember in the book of Revelations, what he says, he who has a ear, let him what? Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And so when we 
remove the physical, makes room for the spiritual, we're able to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Because before then, we're not able to hear what God is saying. And you may be on this fast, maybe you haven't seen breakthrough yet, you haven't seen the result yet. I'm asking you just to stay faithful. You see, God blesses faithfulness. He does. God blesses that moment. He, he blesses commitment. In fact, in Hebrews it says that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what fasting is, is when we seek the Lord. Because you see, in 2 Chronicles 20, there was a king named Jehoshaphat that had a moment where he was outnumbered. Have you ever felt outnumbered by something? Have you ever felt outnumbered by life? Maybe by a situation, outnumbered by your bills, outnumbered by maybe people or whatever, doctor's reports, outnumbered. Look at somebody and say outnumbered. Sometimes you just feel outnumbered. In Jehoshaphat, he wasn't always a godly man, but there was a moment in his life where he said, I've got to turn to the Lord. And so as he began to reign as king, it said he started to take down some wooden images in the land. And then he got word that the enemy is coming. And they are coming strong, and they are coming with a lot of people. And you know what Jehoshaphat did? Instead of being prideful and arrogant and overconfident, he decided to seek the Lord and he called for a fast throughout all of the nation. And he, and he literally said this. He, he, called, he called for the entire nation to come close. And he called for a fast. And in the middle of this prayer to God, he said, Lord, we don't know what to do. You see, he wasn't prideful to the point to where he... He didn't feel like he had it all together, even though he was the king. You see, a lot of times, and I'll just speak for myself, sometimes as men, we want to we think that we're okay. We got it all figured out. It's kind of like trying not to use a GPS or trying to, you know, we always, know, we always think we know where we're going. Come on, men. Help me. Amen. Somebody. Wanna, huh, babe? Uh-huh. I don't like to ask for directions. And Jehoshaphat needed direction. And he humbled himself. You see, that's what fasting does. It, it, it humbles you. It, affic it afflicts your soul. I was reading something else about affliction this morning. I just want to throw this in here as a little side thing. It's really awesome. In Exodus, it was part of my daily reading, in Exodus, it said that after the king died, Pharaoh died, it said that the Israelites were beginning to grow. And the Egyptians felt outnumbered. And the king said, man, we gotta make these guys slaves. We gotta, we gotta get to make taskmasters because if not, they're gonna grow so large, they're gonna take us over. But watch this. It said that the more affliction, I don't know if you know what the word affliction means, but the word Affliction means what? Does anybody know? Pain. It said the more pain that they caused to the Israelites, the more they grew. <laughs> you know what that tells me? That the more pain that the enemy tries to cause in your life, 
it just causes me to grow more. It just causes more growth. See, there's a pain. There's a purpose in your pain. There's a purpose when pain comes in your life. And see, and in the same way, when Jehoshaphat, when he was in this place, he was in pain because of the enemy. And he didn't know what to do. So instead of being arrogant, he humbled himself because of this pain. And because of this pain, it grew and made him grow in faith. You see, what you're going through right now, God is growing your faith. You're in a season right now. You may feel like you're outnumbered and surrounded by everything around you. But if this is the moment that God is allowing you to be tested so your faith can grow. Because if, if, we was, if we would always operate at such an extreme place of faith, then we wouldn't need Jesus. We wouldn't need the Lord. Why? Because we're in a, who feels like they're in a, a, a season right now where your faith is being tested? Raise your hand real high. Amen. And you, and you need to hear from God right now. Raise your hand real high. That's why you're here this morning. You need to hear this. Because in this pain, there's a purpose in your pain. God takes that pain and you grow. Your family will grow. You will grow in your faith. And I prophesy that over you right now this morning and declare that, that you're going to grow. You hear me? Come on now. You've got to hear this from the Lord. You're going to grow in faith. You're going to grow in number. You're going to even grow financially. You're going to grow. God is going to bless you. This is a blessed year. Somebody shout, I'm blessed. Stop declaring a curse over your life and start declaring a blessing over you. Stop sabotaging what God wants to do in your life with your tongue. I want to say that again. You need to write that down. Stop sabotaging. Stop, stop sabotaging. Am I saying sabotaging right? I'm saying it weird. Sabotaging. Stop it. We're aborting God's plan and his gift for our life because of our wrong negative words. So you're speaking blessing over your life curse of your life instead of blessing. Speak blessing. Speak life. Speak life over each other. Shout, I'm blessed. Look at your neighbor and say, you're blessed. You're blessed. You are blessed. Stop. I bind and rebuke every superstitious mindset in this room in Jesus' name. If you walk in obedience to God, you call Jesus Lord of your life, there's a blessing on you. That blessing can't be lifted because if somebody else may try to curse you, let them curse you. Because no matter what pain that you're in, God's going to cause growth in your life. There's no, there's no person that can curse your life if you're walking in with the Lord. I want to say that to you. Somebody needs to catch that by the Spirit. Don't think somebody can go ahead and throw some kind of witchcraft thing over you. Jesus paid the price upon the cross. Take away the curse and lift the curse from your life. He humbled himself and he sought the Lord. He brought the nation together. What do I hear God saying? That's why God said it's time to bring the families together. We got to seek the Lord. If you notice, usually at the beginning of the fast, you know, I give out this outline and this real thing and I'm all organized with it and I show you this is what we're praying for. But I want to... I, I just heard the Lord say, just make, let them make it personal between them and the Lord. And many of you in this room, you have, and you sought the Lord. But there are many in this room that feel like the fast is not over. If you feel like it's over for you, then please hit pause for a minute. 
But if you feel like you want to go further, you haven't heard from God yet, or you, want, you just want to hear from God, go further. Go a couple more days. There's no end to this. When Jesus said, it is finished, what he said upon the cross, he said, his work is done on the cross, but it's not finished here yet on the earth. I want you to hear that right. Don't try to chop that up. Jesus, when he finished, he finished absolutely. That was the finished work upon the cross. But then now, we still have to live here on the earth. We got to continue to seek the Lord. Now watch this. He sought the Lord. He said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. He stayed focused on the Lord. But our eyes are upon you. Right now in this season where you're at, stop looking at everything else for the answer and start looking to Jesus. Start looking to Jesus. Stop looking to every. It's not in a pill. It's not in anything else. It's in Jesus. It's not in friends. It's not even in family because friends will fail you. Family will fail you. But Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus. He says, I don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And they sought the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the prophets that were there and released this word over them. He says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Listen to this. He says, you will not, and this is what the Lord is saying to every person, you will not need to fight in this battle as you think. Because right away we think they got to have armor, they got to have their spears, their swords, they get their weapons, they, they, gotta, they, they figure this is a physical thing. But Jehoshaphat knew it wasn't a physical thing. You see, what we've got to understand is that when we are in a fight with the enemy, it's a spiritual battle. You can't take carnal weapons into a spiritual battle. You can't take physical weapons into a spiritual war. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We are in a fight, a spiritual fight. That's why it's important to fast. That's why, that's why Jehoshaphat said that, listen, we, we got to get rid of all the carnal, carnality. We ain't got no time for flesh. That's what, that's what fasting does, don't it, honey? It gets the flesh out. It kills the flesh. The flesh dies in the presence of God. It, it, look at somebody say, get the flesh out. We've got to get the flesh out. That's what the flesh does. That's what, that's what, the, that's, that's what happens when we fast, when we pray. Because some of y'all in here get hangry. Who gets hangry in here? Y'all know what I'm talking about. The hangry ones will raise your hand real high. Kitty, get, man, I saw Kitty one time. Dude, she almost flipped this restaurant upside down. This was, what year was this? My God. It was about 12 years ago. We're in Lakeland, Florida at a revival. The outpouring of Lakeland. And Kitty's order wasn't coming. She got hangry. <laughs> hey, man, we all get a little, I get hangry. I get, we all get a little upset sometimes. It's okay. But that's what, that's what this fasting does. It gets the flesh out, gets our emotions under control. He says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Only position yourself. Listen to this. Only position yourself. God will fight for you, for the battle belongs to the Lord. So they went out the next day, and they sent out Judah. They sent out the praisers. They sent out the worshipers. You see, 
And right there, a lot of times we get happy. We get excited. There's my, my praise is a weapon, you know, and the enemy don't know if I just put my praise on, if I just worship the Lord, it doesn't mean you just go out like a fool and just worship the Lord because there's faith behind that. They had to have faith to know that in my praise and in my worship, the enemy is going to be defeated because it confuses the enemy. It does. And so in that moment, they began to praise. They began to worship. They said the enemy was defeated. God won. Why? Because they positioned themselves in a place of faith. So this is what I want you to know this morning. you got to stay positioned in faith. You can write that down. Stay positioned in faith. Stay positioned in a place where you're going to believe God, where you're going to choose to trust God. We've got to get the unbelief out. There's no room for unbelief in this season right now. This season that you're in, our faith has to come up. Listen, if you've been struggling in your faith, today's the day that unbelief goes, faith comes in. Shout that right now. Say, faith rise in me, in Jesus' name. Say, faith rise in me. I need faith. God, he gives, he gives a spirit of, he gives, uh, there's, a, there's a measure of faith. He gives each one a measure of faith. God, I want the full measure of faith. Whatever, God, I want it all. Don't, don't hold back any measure from me. I want the measure of faith. I want the faith of Jesus. I want the same faith he had. Here's another thing you've got to position yourself in. Position yourself in a place of prayer. And I want to put fasting with that. In a place of prayer and fasting. Because both of those things, the flesh dies in the presence of God. And those things, the more that you're in prayer, the more that you fast, your spiritual senses come alive. You become more aware of God. I hope this is making you hungry for God this morning. I hope this is making, man, I got to get on this fast. I've got to fast. I got to do this. I've only done it maybe once a year. I gave up like M&Ms one time and it about killed me. You got to do something greater. Do something that's going to, it's going to be a sacrifice of praise. Come on. Amen. Prayer, fasting, position yourself in prayer, position yourself in fasting, position yourself in a place of worship. Stay in a place of worship. What is worship? Worship, it, you know, when we, our worship team, I want you to know this, and those that's on the worship team have already have heard me say this, and I want you to hear this very loud and clear. It is not their responsibility to bring you into the presence of God. It's not. It's not. Their responsibility is to host the presence of God. Because when we host the presence of God, what does that mean to host the presence of God? That means he's here, and then when we make him welcome. When Jesus would go through a Bethany in a town, he would stop by Mary and Martha's house because he knew Martha was cooking some good food. He knew Mary would worship him, and Lazarus, the miracles, would be sitting at the table. So all of those things, that was always his favorite house in Bethany. I want us to, I want to be God's favorite house. Do you know that we're houses of prayer, that we are houses of God? God has a favorite house. I want Gateway to be God's favorite house, don't you? Come on, somebody, shout amen. But then you know what? I want you to be God's favorite house. Somebody say that, God, I want to be your favorite house. Come, come dwell in me. Right, Josh? Josh was talking about that, the dwelling place, that we are God's dwelling place. Come dwell in me. Come live in me, God. When we make our position yourself in a place of, prayer, of worship, so when they host the presence of God and they make him feel welcome, God begins to manifest himself in the room. God begins to manifest himself among us. 
But worship is a daily thing. It's not, just, it's not just music and hand clapping, and I thank God for that. But worship is a lifestyle that is devoted to God, simply defined. So live a life of worship. Position yourself in prayer, fasting, worship, faith. Position yourself in the house of God. It's important to come together as, as, as a body of believers. Come together as the body of Christ. I thank God for online and those that's watching online. God bless you. But there's nothing more. There's nothing like being in the, in the presence of other brothers and sisters when we're in the house of God. Believe me, when they were in the upper room, was there nobody watching on Zoom? There was nobody on Zoom or Facebook Live when they were in the upper room. They were in person. In fact, there was over almost, uh, do you know almost 500 people had a chance to be in the upper room, but only 120 chose to stay? It wasn't because they had a special invitation. It was because they wanted more. You know, you're not hearing this. What happened to the 380? They all had the same invitation. Many more had the same opportunity. It wasn't a private meeting. It was a meeting for those that wanted more. And they came in the upper room and the Holy Spirit fell. Come on, this is good teaching. Are you hearing this? Are you catching this this morning? Position yourself in the house of God. Position yourself in the house of God. And here's the last thing. There's many things you position yourself in, but here's the last thing I want to say about positioning yourself. Then I want to pray. Position yourself in a place of serving. Position yourself in a place of serving. I believe every person in this room has an assignment to serve. We are called to serve. We are saved to serve. I thank God you come in, we get fed spiritually. But Jesus said this, my food is to do the will of God who sent me and to accomplish what he sent me for. So his food was to do the work of the Lord. So you know what happens when we do the work of the Lord? We get fed spiritually. Have you ever done something like for God? Have you ever maybe helped out and volunteered or you served in an area and you felt fulfilled afterwards? 